0: Everybody. Welcome back to the Elise DeLucci Show. How are you? Episode 44. Welcome to my living room. Better than the last episode that was Welcome to my bedroom. Oh, my God. The sacrifices you make for kids, you know? And God forbid, you know, we had a podcast studio open anywhere in Manhattan. Anyway, how you doing? How is your week going? Slow, not slow. One of my girlfriends in Manhattan, her, her daughter's school has been closed. Of course, no surprise there. It's just like musical school closings. You know, I work for a company that's outside of the city. And where this company is based, I work in the city, but they're outside the city. And where they're based, things are open. Things are open. People are in school. You can dine in the restaurant. So, you know, when I talk about the schools being closed, I think that they think I'm lying. Anyway, fact of the day, on the same note, people in Australia, the citizens of Australia, they can't leave the house for more than one hour a day right now. Yeah, this is true. So I learned this because someone commented on TikTok. They said, you know, hey, Elise, Australia is doing great with the virus and everything. I think they're in the lead of not having it or having very little cases, but um, we can't leave our house for more than an hour a day. And I read that you can't go out uh, and do more than one hour exercise or, you know, spend one, more than an hour going to the grocery store per day. I mean, honestly. honestly, I get it. You're trying to contain things, but an hour a day, I I don't know. I, I don't even know what I think about that, but that's a fact. And that's the fact I chose for today because I think it's just crazy and you know, let me just say, no one in the, in the beginning of this whole pandemic, and I don't know, I, I don't know where all of you guys are. I know some where some of you are, but in the beginning of this pandemic, everybody talked about obviously the lack of resources. Remember the toilet paper and the paper towels, and everybody was stocking up like it was the end of the world because in some ways it was right. But a lot of people didn't talk about the mental health issues. I think now that they we're coming on a year. Here in Manhattan, almost March. This has been going on for almost one whole miserable year. And there are some, ugh, I'm sorry, there are some really nasty mental mental side effects of this whole thing. There was a doctor, uh, I think he was on York Avenue in the 60s. He he jumped from his apartment. He committed suicide. A lot of people are dealing with agoraphobia. They don't want to leave the house. You know, I to be honest, I actually think I have a tinge of that. I'm not self-diagnosing. I don't like get so insane like that, you know, only on some days. But seriously, I haven't really gone anywhere and did, done a lot of stuff that sometimes when I, I think about leaving my house, I'm like, now I'd rather stay home, which is strange because I always like to be out and I perform at night. Well, not anymore or right, not right now, I should say. The thought of going out, that's everything to me. I love to go out. I love to walk around. I love to see everything. But lately, I've just, for whatever reason, I've, you know, I... I, I I'll think, oh, maybe I'll go run to the store. And then I'm like, you know, nah, I'll just order it online. It, it's almost like I'm scared to go out. Not rationally scared. It's like something in my subconscious and I can't really describe it. Which I think it might be a little touch of agoraphobia. A side effect of this whole thing. And it, it would be nice if it ended. That's it. One of the nice things that have come out of this though is is uh, some of the the things that are, are, the communities are doing for each other. There's um, there's a woman that lives in Brooklyn, um, in the projects in Brooklyn, and she started this cute little thing. I mean, not even cute. It's not the cute is the wrong word. I mean, just so so philanthropic, so helpful. She calls it. It's called Gowanus Mutual Aid. They have an Instagram account, Gowanus Mutual Aid. Basically, what she did is she um she created a storage shed, like a, a literally a wooden saw a wooden shed. That is the size of your average backyard shed, a wooden storage shed, painted a pink. And in the front of the shed, it's a it's a periwinkle colored shower curtain drape looking thing covering the contents of the shed, like a tarp. And um, and all it is, it's a it's a it's a donation. It's a it's a it's a give and need little box that's just on the sidewalk in Brooklyn. So basically, anybody could go in to this Gowanus Mutual Aid little box. I think they call it the Sharing Center in Gowanus, Brooklyn. But the ha- but the uh, Instagram handle is Gowanus Mutual Aid. You can go and you could donate books and baby food and Nikes and uh, old laptop if you want. And people, there's no one in there collecting. You just go put it on the shelves, and it's the it's the honor system, the trust system. And then people go and they take whatever if they need something they go in there and they take it. And um and I think it's just so nice. It, it, honestly. Uh, I wish somebody did that in my neighborhood. We have we're having a lot of <clears throat> we have a lot of homeless people right now, and um, you know these people obviously can use uh, use some stuff. And I know that the people of the Upper East Side can most certainly have things that they could donate. Okay, um, and I, I just think kudos to this lady, and I, I hope good things come to her. And it just also goes to show you that the The honor system it works. She doesn't. She doesn't lock this thing up at night. She doesn't have somebody in there behind a register, you know, cashing in, giving people their tax receipts for the year. No, you don't need it. You put it in the box, and if you do need it, you go and you pick it up. On on tax season, happy tax season to everybody. Right. I uh, I've been I've been working on that gathering my my documents. Um, I read that uh, stimulus checks. By the way. They aren't taxable. They aren't taxable, your stimulus check, if you got it. But they can indirectly affect what you pay in state income tax. So that's something I learned. So if you got that, you don't have to pay tax on it, but they can they can affect what you pay in your income tax because I guess it counts as taxable income, total taxable income. I got the nicest message on... Um, TikTok, a girl she uh, wrote to me. I don't know her name, and if I did, I, I wouldn't say because it it's personal. But she said to me, um, "Hey, Elise, I saw the video about the sm- small apartment you used to live in, and let me tell you something." She said, "I had an abusive ex-husband, and he kicked me out, and now I live in a studio apartment with two of my children, and I'm studying to become a nurse. It's the best decision. I he ever, it was the best decision he ever made to kick me out. I'm so happy, and so are my children. And you know what? I wrote her back." Thank God, and I'm so happy for you because you want to know what? Who needs a sorry ass? And I'm sure he's watching you from social media or hearing about you from friends and family and thinking, oh look, she's living in a studio apartment and she's happier than she was with me living in a big mansion. Oh, and she's you know putting herself through nursing school. Good for you. Who needs him? He's probably a bum, an abusive ex-husband. Really, the nerve of these men. Here you are, what? You, you married to him? You kid? You have his children? You have children together? You give birth to children? Ooh, not that an abusive. It's horrible, regardless of the situation. But mm, please, I live. Good for you. I just wanted to say that. That you know what? Whatever situation you're in, no matter how bad it is, especially right now, everybody's you know feels chained down and in their their houses and maybe dealing with unsavory husbands and boyfriends and girlfriends and wives, and you're like thinking, I can't wait to call up one eight hundred divorce lawyer. Well, let me tell you something. There's always, you you can always start over. People sometimes think, oh, I'm so old. I don't want to start over. Oh, it's exhausting. Who cares? Who cares? I mean, sure, you don't want to put yourself in a terrible situation starting over if you have nothing, whatever. But at the same time, why stay in something bad and make you you so unhappy? Life is short, you know? Speaking of life is short, um, do you guys have any hobbies that you turned into... a a, a money-making thing or, or a job, you know, I was, um, talking to one of my friends and she, uh, she's, she's great. She's a fashion designer by day. And by night, she's actually a contortion artist, a contortionist. And she did, you know, Honestly, we used to go to yoga class together like ten years ago and we would go to yoga and she was always so great at yoga. She's you know, a tiny little girl, bendy, super flexible, you know, beautiful. And um, she was really into yoga, really into the stretching, and then somehow she got into contortion and love and, and wound up falling in love with it. And uh, and it was her hobby. It was just something that she did. Get herself into all these funky poses. She actually booked a few ad campaigns. Um She's really cool. You should check her out. One of my one of my best friends. Her name, and she's on Instagram. Her Instagram handles. My fear is my strength. Poetic, very poetic. Her name is Sam. One of my best friends. And uh, anyway, so she started giving lessons. She started giving contortion lessons to girls that want to learn learn the art of contortion, learn this art of stretching. I, I guess it, maybe it's extreme stretching. I don't know. But she basically turned her hobby into her life. She still works as a successful fashion designer, but this is what she does. And I just think it's so great. Like, your dreams were always dreams in some regards, right? Or your hobbies were always your hobbies. But I think now some people are turning them into necessity because maybe they lost their job or they just need to find extra income. And, you know, in Q2 2020, the second quarter of 2020, Etsy saw a 40, over 40% spike in new sellers. Forty over 40%. It was specifically 42% spike in new sellers. Because everybody is like, you wanna know what? I'm sitting home, I'm doing nothing. I like to crochet. This is my hobby. I'm really a CPA by day. So you wanna know what? I'm gonna go sell some of my 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 my, my knitted my knitted things on Etsy. Make a little side hustle business for them. I love that. Someone asked me, they said, How did you how did you um get into stand-up? And I don't know if I've ever told you guys, but you know. I wasn't planning on turning it into a business at all. What happened was actually I hosted a television show for a short while. And, um, and, and, and I, you know, and I loved it. And I, oh, and by the way, I should say in college, I was a broadcast communication major. And then, um, 9-11 happened and blah, blah, blah. And a lot of my plans, you know, sort of had crash and burn. I switched my major to being a journalism major. And, um, that was that. And then I went off to work in digital media and blah, blah. But, um, I always had that broadcasting TV, you know, sort of thing, right? And so, anyway, and I had done some stuff here and there. I did something on MTV when I was in, uh, in eighteen and nineteen, which was really fun. But anyway, um, I wound up. I was hosting a show a bunch of years ago, and uh, and when I was there, somebody said to me, you know, Elise, you probably should take voice lessons to uh, neutralize your accent. And I was like, "Why? I love my accent. It's so great." <laughs> but it wasn't that profesh, you know what I'm saying? So anyway, I ended up going to this uh, voice coach, which then led me into voiceovers, and that was so fun. And I hooked up with a bunch of voiceover artists in New York, commercial voiceover artists, where you know they were reading for um, auditioning for you know car commercials and all this sort of stuff. And again, I didn't, I didn't know anything about this. I was in the business world. But it was just such a hoot and everybody was great. And then Jane Lynch showed up at one of um, my... uh, I was was at this sort of VO night, this voiceover night with a bunch of voiceover actors. And we're sitting in uh, this woman's apartment. And she sort of... She coached a lot of us. And uh, she had these sort of like voiceover jams once a month in her apartment in the West Village. And it was super cool. And she was friends with Jane Lynch. Jane Lynch from Glee. Jane Lynch from Best in Show. Jane Lynch AK. Hilarious. And so... uh, Jane Lynch was there, and she was talking, because she does a lot of voiceover, and, and, um, but she got her start into the world of TV and film by improv, so we all went up and did a voiceover reading in front of Jane Lynch, and when I got up, Jane was like, oh, you have a great voice, Yeah, blah, blah, and she's like, but you know, I think you should take some improv lessons, I think that would benefit from you, so fast forward, I was like, Jane Lynch said I should do improv, I'm going, so I took improv. And uh, I had the best time ever taking improv. I did it at uh, the Pit, the People's Improv Theater in New York. And I had a teacher that said to me while I was there, and by the way, if you haven't noticed, I just get on all these buses. Someone tells me to do something. I'm like, yeah, sure, if I have the time, why not? Why not explore it, right? That's always sort of been my motto. Anyway, so then I had an improv teacher. I'm in level three. I'm in my improv class, level three. There was five levels in total. And I loved improv. It was great. Um, you really, it's like, and by the way, it's like a thing to like shake your sillies out. I totally recommend it. So I had a teacher and he's like, Hey, you should try stands up Elise. I think you should try stands up. I feel like you have opinions on everything. And I think you have a lot to say. Just give it a whirl. And I was like, nah, I'm not doing that. What do I have to say in front of a giant audience? What are you kidding me? Well, long story short, I was having some issues with my marriage in my marriage, I should say. And this is a very Miss maisel type of story if you've seen the show, but it is true. Um, the improv theater that I was at does an open, was doing an open mic night in the attic, which was in the third floor of the building in the attic. It was a little shithole, you know, five by eight sort of room. Literally the ceiling slanted. It was, you were in an attic, a literal attic with folding chairs and the performer would go into this little tiny sliver of the back of the attic. If you can imagine, almost like the, the width of like a chimney. Anyway, so I had, was having a, my ex and I were having a fight one night and, you know, we're at the home and uh, I knew that the improv theater was having an open mic night, and I had I made lots of friends in improv, you know, and and everybody was everybody's theater kids, you know, cool and fun and open. They no one's judging, and here I am, you know, mother, um, you know, working and, and and doing improv, whatever. And uh, and we had this fight, and I just thought, you want to know why? I said, uh, "Fuck this! Fu- literally, fuck, fuck it!" Fuck it. <laughs> so I told my ex, "I'm I'm go- I am going. I am going to do this open mic, and you." I am not talking to you. And I left the house like a bat out of huffle for this like eleven p.m. open mic or ten p.m. open mic down at the pit in Gramercy, and um, and I I had I, I didn't even I don't even I didn't have a set I didn't have any material I just got on stage I got up in the I got on stage there was no stage I got up on the hideous attic carpet floor in the tiny little attic space with a mic and I just started ranting and raving about anything that was annoying me at the time and you know I and and people were laughing and 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 then and then I stuck with I stuck with it and it was infectious it was infectious hearing the laughter it was infectious going up there and talking and uh and it was a release and it was just fabulous and that is how I got into stand-up and then I started doing stand-up and, um, and and then the rest was history. Then I started getting paid for spots, which is so hard. It's so, so hard in stand-up. And I, I started getting booked places and that was that. And so I don't know if stand-up, I turned stand-up into a hobby. I'm Sorry, I don't know if I turned my hobby into a job. I turned stand-up into a job. It wasn't intentional. It wasn't that I am doing contortion and I want to offer lessons and charge you, but I just happened to have this thing that I was exploring, improv, voiceover, stand-up, and then the stand-up just wound up taking off, and it wound up being life-changing, game-changer, and I love it. And I don't know, I just... You know, I didn't know what I was doing when I was going through the motions of all that stuff. I thought I was crazy. I really thought I was crazy. I thought I was suffering. To be honest, I'll be honest with you. I thought I was suffering postpartum. Do you? Are you a woman? Did you have kids? Did you have postpartum? If you're a guy listening, does your wife, or your girlfriend, did she have postpartum? Because I thought I was had postpartum, but depression. I thought, I'm losing my effing mind. I'm working a nine to five job. Everybody's so serious at my nine to five job. And here I am at night. You know, I have my baby, my baby goes to sleep. I go hit the improv theater. And then I'm going to do stand up, you know, in clubs a couple nights a week. And then it's, then it became more and more. And um, I thought I was having a nervous breakdown. But when I look back on it, especially now during this pandemic, I just think, that was just so fabulous. I literally ran with it. I didn't second guess myself for a minute. For a minute. And isn't that the best thing? When you just do something and you don't second guess yourself? The story really doesn't have a point, you know. But but I guess if it does have a point, it's... I know if you're listening, you have things that you do. That um, that are probably hobbies and or things that you're into. And, you know, you know, we live in this culture where you could go on youtube and charge somebody for lessons if that's what you you know that's what you want to do if you know something knowledgeable i don't know you're a revolutionary war expert well somebody probably wants to hear about that i don't know i just think it's great and by the way a job doesn't have to mean that you're making money i mean of course that's the goal right you want to be able to make money if you're doing investing time and doing something but look at this look at this podcast i do i don't make any money i don't make a dime doing this I, I genuinely feel like it's a great way to connect with my audience. It's, a, it's an outlet, okay? It's, it's, well, it's also it's a friendship. The, we are blossoming friends, obviously, as you know. I mean, and who? because who, is, God forbid, anybody had a girls' night or a guys' night around here. You know what I'm saying? Anyway. So, that's that. That's what I wanted to talk about. I watched two of my favorite movies the other day. Back to back, back to back. Because, you know, I'm like crazy. Funny Girl with Barbara Streisand. It's the story of Fanny Bryce. Musical. It's so good. Barbara Streisand and Omar Sharif. It's literally about the story. It's the story of Fanny Bryce, you know, who's a comedian and actress. Basically, you know, poor Schlepp from Brooklyn working in her mother's saloon. Okay? And she wants to be a Ziegfeld girl. She wants to be a Ziegfeld girl. That's a thing. She wants to sing and act and dance on stage. And the whole movie is just great. And then she falls in love. And, you know, and you, you see her whole life play out. It's the, one of the best Strauss Streisand movies ever. The, the, it was the one that put her on the map back in the 60s. After Funny Girl, I watched my other favorite movie, one of my other favorite movies, Breakfast at Tiffany's. If you have not seen this, you have to see it. You know what's funny to me about Breakfast at Tiffany's? So many girls, so many of my girlfriends... And guy friends, they know the movie. They're like, of course, I know the movie. Oh, the Truman Capote movie. Of course I know it. They know They know the iconic pictures and the black with the pearls and the glasses and the long black lacquered cigarette holder. And they know what they think. And they think, they think, I know the movie. It's about, you know, Audrey Hepburn. And she wears all these fabulous clothes and walks around Manhattan. and She's a city girl and falls in love with her neighbor and lives happily ever after. Yada, yada, the end. Let me tell you something, okay? If you haven't seen the movie... Audrey Hepburn in the movie is a criminal and a prostitute, okay? Like, just to put that out, I don't know I don't know if I want to say she's a prostitute. She's a criminal, and she's a, a call girl, okay? She's a high-class call girl. People don't even talk about that about the movie. You you root for her. You want to root for her. But basically, in the movie, and it just, I don't know, it just dawned on me the other day. I'm watching the movie, and I'm just like, how does nobody even talk about this? She, she used to go, this is how she made her money. She made her money by communicating with a mobster in prison in exchange. She used, to, she used to go to prison to visit a mobster and give him the weather report, the weather report, <gasps> wink, wink. Okay, and she'd get paid for that from his lawyer. And then she would also make her money by um, going out with men, and she would... They would pay her for her company, and they would give her $50 for the powder room. That was a famous thing. They give me $50 for the powder room, which, by the way, is $400 in today's time. Can you imagine going on a date with somebody, and you're like, I got to go to the bathroom. You got $400. bucks. i <laughs> will take a smooth 400 for the bathroom. Can you imagine if you were a guy? Are you a guy listening? Can you imagine if you're a guy, and you're taking a girl out, you know, second, third date, and she's like, I need to excuse myself to go to the ladies' room. You have a smooth 400 Hilarious. But that's what she used to do. But then these men that would take her out, and they'd give her money for the bathroom, and they would buy her dinner and the whole bit. They would take her home, and they would and they would walk her up to her door, and they'd be bang, and she'd let she let herself in the door, and then they'd be banging on the door, screaming, yelling, cursing, drunk guys begging her for sex. It, it, it's un it's unknown if she actually slept with these men, right? Maybe, maybe, maybe not. That was never said. But that was basically the gist. And all the other stuff was there, too. The clothes and the glamour and the having breakfast outside Tiffany's and Tiffany being the most beautiful place and that sort of thing. But it's such a good movie. You know, not a musical. Such a good movie. And by the way, I actually did walk by Tiffany the other day for all my agoraphobia and all. I did walk by Tiffany the other day. And, um... And uh, the, they moved. They moved. I had no idea. They they now moved into the Nike Town spot. I don't know how familiar you are with 57th Street, but on 57th Street, Nike Town, the Nike store, used to have a huge flagship store over there. Tiffany now took that space. And Tiffany that was on the corner is, I don't know if they, I, they're closing that location, but I don't know if that's they had to close it because of rent or what. I didn't look it up, but they moved. And it's funny to me that they moved because it's like, Really? That's an icon a literally iconic location. Never has moved. And and they have these big bank vault doors, you know, big jewelry vault doors. But beautiful beautiful store, I'm sure you've been. But yeah, they're they're in Nike Town. And and, and in Nike, the Nike Town store has this huge art shaped window. Huge glass art shaped window. And the 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 decor up right now, you know, it's all still under construction, but they just have lights. Like show business lights, covering the whole the whole front of the the big huge arch Nike Town window it looks like Vegas. I thought that I was like, is this store supposed to be exclusive, or is I'm supposed to be thinking I'm hitting you know triple cherries in here? It li- literally, literally looked like Vegas. I couldn't even believe it was Tiffany, but it is what it is. One of the things, by the way, Audrey, yeah, Bre- Holly Golightly, Breakfast Tiffany's used to do. She she would look up all the rich. She would you know when she moved to a city because she was like. You know, she was like a vagrant. She'd just move around from place to place. And she'd look up all the richest men, like in the yellow, the white pages, the yellow pages, whatever it is, and, and target them. You know, they were her future clientele, obviously. Not a bad strategy. No, I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. I'm not really, though. I don't know. If you really want to put yourself, if you really want to meet somebody with a couple of bucks, guys and girls, I guess you should put yourself in those kind of situations, right? It's all about who you know. Hmm? In other news, in other news, in the New York Times, brace yourself, girls, okay? You, you know what? Honestly, nothing Nothing is shocking anymore, right? We know this. Nothing shocks us anymore. You want to know what's the new trend right now? Have you heard of this? So ridiculous. The sleep-deprived look is now chic. Yeah, yeah, I know, laugh. Laugh, laugh, yeah. The sleep-deprived look. That's right, that's right. Every, all every Every one of us parents that are listening to this, every one of us exhausted night workers, parents, maybe people that are down and out, Maybe people that can't go to sleep, maybe they have some issue. Okay. Now the new look is to walk around like you're exhausted. You know, that this this is this is the trend. The trend is, I honestly, I feel like I was laughing so hard when I, when I heard this that I feel like I'm almost like, the trend is to normalize dark, dark circles. Yeah. They, they, they feel that like there was an ideal standard of beauty. You know, I don't know. Nice. Nice you know, healthy, glowing skin, well-rested, you know. They felt like they, that was the ideal of beauty. And they were sick of it, they being, I guess, the beauty industry or the fashion industry, and they decided to rebel. And by rebelling, they decided we're just going to have, draw dark circles under our eyes. I mean, really? So, and, you know, part of this trend is that people want to express what they're going through right now during the pandemic. They want to give some visual theater so they want to express their pandemic tiredness. I haven't heard something so ridiculous. Really, I haven't heard something so. Ri- you know, the last time I heard something so ridiculous was when, um, uh, you know, like uh, the Hellman's mayonnaise came out with like different mayonnaise flavors. That was that was the last time I heard something so ridiculous. <laughs> okay. Or like, or the ketchup, Heinz came out with like ranch up, ranch ketchup. That was that was the last time I heard something so ridiculous. Yes. Let, let me do you know what I'm gonna wake up tomorrow morning this is what I'm gonna do I think I'm gonna wake up tomorrow morning wash my face, brush my teeth, you know slick back my hair, put it in a, a headband and then I'm gonna take out my eyeshadow and I'm gonna encircle my eyes with dark shadow like a, or a coal pencil and by the way, let me let me make no mistake this is not the raccoon eye makeup look, okay this is adding pencil and or powder to the indent area, underneath your eye, you know, that, 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 underneath your eye, I'm pointing it to it, but I'm taking my two middle fingers, I'm putting it on either side of the bridge of my nose, basically putting, running, all of this little ski slopey area underneath your eyes, running that with dark purple or brown powder, honestly, go scratch, yeah, let's all walk around like dep- like depressed people, let's all walk around like exhausted parents, like somebody came out of a fight, like somebody's came out of a, a, a scrappy, dirty fight and you left exhausted and broke. That's exactly what should be gorgeous. Can you imagine, guys, Guys, who you're listening to the, this, your girlfriend shows up for a nice date, all decked out. She has her sunglasses on, she pulls them off and it looks like you just gave her a beating. Honestly? No. It's ridiculous. It's insane. Ugh. Please. I just think that everybody's so damn bored that they're just trying to do shock value stuff and this being one of them. Hmm. The other day I posted something about being single in the city and talking to other single New Yorkers, which is so fun, by the way. But and someone said, "Are you single? Is there an update?" And I, I was like, "No, I have, uh, there's no updates. I still have a boyfriend." And then I made me think, you know, if you're not married, are you re- are you, are you really like single, or are you in a relationship? You know what? Listen, if I'm not married, I'm single. Let me just say that. Unless BB wants to, uh, unless my little BB likes what he sees, then he could put a ring on it. And I may or may not accept because that is the world that we live in today, right? I mean, what's the point anyway? I've already been married. I've, what's the point of getting married anyway, right? I've been married. I had the whole wedding, the pomp and circumstance in the the, the big church. I had a big Italian reception. I had garlic hanging from the ceiling of my, uh, my cocktail hour. They were passing out, you know, like, mini cannolis. I had a thousand British people there, a thousand Italian people there. We did the tarantella. They did some British stuff. I don't even know what. My, 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 my in-laws at the, my in-laws, my new in-laws at the time were horrified. They walk into a cocktail. First of all, they thought cocktail was the meal. No, it's the cocktail hour. It is exactly what it is. It's cocktail hour. And in in this country, we do cocktail hour with some nibbles. But, you know, because Italian weddings are so ridiculous, you know, it was like the the smorgasbords of stuff. I didn't have a raw bar, though. I don't regret it because it was so much extra, but I wish I did. You know, there's nothing like a good, you know, uh, lobster tail or shrimp cocktail, you know. But anyway, anyway, let's not get sidetracked. But you know what? I did all that. I did all that—the big pomp and circumstance wedding, the parties, spent all that money. And let me tell you something: when I was when I was getting married, I was a wheel of deal bride. Okay, I got discounts on everything. I bought the veil off a mannequin for fifty percent off. Yeah, that's right. I went into the bridal store. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I saw this veil. I loved it. It was, you know, big train veil. You know, I don't know. I thought it was Diana or something. And I was like, oh, my God, that's gorgeous. You know, and they told me the price, and I probably keeled over I don't remember the details. But I remember saying, you know, and they, and they told me how long it takes to ship and yada, yada. I remember saying, okay, well, how, how, much, how much is that one? You know, and it was like 50 40% off. And I was like, you know what, I'll take that one. And they're like, you'll take that one. I'm like, I'll get it cleaned because, you know, I'm wearing it for one day, people. You know, one day. I went to the flower shop. First of all, I had my grandmother go uh, do all these deals with me. because She's a master, master negotiator. We went to the, flor- the florist, the florist. <laughs> by her house in Brooklyn. And, uh, you know, I was like, told them my budget. They were like, well, we don't know what you're going to be able to get for that. You know, I lowballed them. And then I was like, you know, I'm sure you have flowers from like the morning of or the day before some party that probably still look good. You know, it's fine. It doesn't matter to me. It's just, you know, just a few hours. Got those. Of course everything I wound up saving in 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 wedding expenses of course I spent during the honeymoon but it wasn't really as much about money saving was it really it was really about the thrill of the bargain I mean that's what it's about but and and, and don't get me wrong don't get me wrong I wanted to walk into Kleinfeld's and say yes to the I wanted to go into Kleinfeld's and say yes to the dress I did and that show wasn't on when I uh, was getting married I don't think but I walked into Kleinfeld, I tied on one of these gowns, Panina Tournai, gorgeous, gorgeous gown, $10,000, $12,000, are you kidding me, do you know how long I had to work to get to that money, To, and I'm going to spend it on a dress I'm going to wear for one day, get the hell out of here, and you think I want to do all that again, God, I did, I should say, when I got married, I bought the white satin Louboutins, that was great, I wore them to my baby's christening, I I both of my baby's christenings, I wore them on anniversaries. I mean, I also wore them out on a date after I got divorced. I am regretful of that. I I, I shouldn't have done <laughs> should have done that. But it's like, oh god, the wedding, all oh, so much my why do I want to get married again? Why? I don't know. So guess what? If I, if it, I, I'm single. I'm single. Unless there's a ring on this finger, I am singale, okay? I mean, I talk about the boyfriend and everything, but come on. Come on for the guys that are listening. You know what? If you meet somebody and you're crazy about them and you've dated them for a long time, if you want to marry them, why aren't you doing it already? You know? What are you waiting for? Come on. Life is short. We could all, like, you know, we could all be in a pandemic tomorrow. Ha ha. Anyway. But, yeah, no updates. Sorry. No updates. Where's your wedding dress, by the way? Where's your wedding dress? You, you girls, you got married? Let me take you where my dress it's at my mother's house in the attic in a box. It says bridal keep I'm sure you have the same box. It's a big white box. It says bridal keepsake on it in black script with a pink heart, and it's wrapped in some in some blue, Saran wrap on top of the box for some reason. I'm never gonna wear that. I couldn't even I couldn't even fit a thigh into that dress now if I tried. My dress, um, my wedding dress looked like uh, similar. I got married around the same time as um. When Sex and the City was on, and and Carrie Bradshaw got married to Big, my wedding dress looked similar to that dress. It was plain, plain. You know, no, no, no embellishments on it. Huge dress, points at the top of the sweetheart neckline. It was was beautiful, but I'm not. Am I wearing that too? Not wear. Not wear. Anywho, product of the day. Okay, product of the day. I haven't been getting a lot of um, advice questions lately for whatever reason. So that's why I haven't mentioned any. Sorry if, if you've noticed. But product of the day. Someone did uh, ask me about a hand cream. So I guess this could kind of be a, a hitting two birds with one stone thing. They asked me, um, what do I use for uh, my skin? Do Because they know I'm, I've said before that I'm so sensitive. What do I use for my dry, cracked skin in the winters? What kind of cream? And my skin is so, my skin is so dry. It's so dry and it, ugh, I put Eucerin on it. Like Eucerin, the, the thick Eucerin cream. And it burns. It literally burns my skin. Because I feel like my skin is just raw. And my boyfriend has really rough hands too. It's like, I don't know, he dries his hands with a sandpaper hand towel or something. It's it's horrific. But I heard about this product. I didn't try it yet. It's, I think it's like a very guyish product. It's called Keeps Working Hands. It's a green tub, a small little tub that uh, for $7.99, you can buy it on Amazon. And it's literally um, supposed to be amazing, like some miracle work cream. I just ordered it. It's a concentrated hand cream. And apparently, it, it that's exactly what it does. It, it it relieves your extremely, extremely cracked, cracked, dry hands. I don't know. It says if you use it for a few days, it's supposed to make a difference. I have not used it yet. So that's the disclaimer here. But I... I I can't wait for it to arrive because this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to put it on my hands and then I'm going to put a pair of gloves over and then I'm going to go to sleep, like a paraffin treatment. And I'm hoping that my hands are going to be good. There's nothing worse than dry hands, right? And the hand, and then the, around the nails, oh, nothing worse. But that's the product of the day. O'Keefe's Working Hands, Amazon, $7.99. Closing it out with a quote of the day, everybody. I feel like this episode was short. And I think maybe my last one was short, too. I don't know. Was it? Anyway. So close the doubt. Close it now. Go to the deck. Go to the deck. Lee Strasberg, actor, famous teacher. If we cannot see the possibility of greatness, how can we dream it? So good. So good. Stay positive, people. Thank you, as always, for listening to The Elise DeLucci Show. And I always, as usual, welcome you into my living room in Manhattan. And one day I hope we can meet... You know, when this whole freaking disaster is over. And until then, we will talk in DM and on TikTok and on the podcast and all that stuff. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.